Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, in association with Retail Focus Magazine. Brought to you by Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. Hello, I'm Ben Bland. Welcome to this Retail Exchange Podcast on shared ambition, getting different teams and agencies working together to achieve a common goal of delivering retail success. Whether you're launching a new in-store campaign or you're set on delivering retail transformation, succeeding in today's competitive retail environment often means engaging a large number of stakeholders. So how do you get stakeholders to work together more effectively? In this podcast, we'll discuss how to achieve greater integrated thinking and cooperation between them. Do agencies really want to work with each other? And should it be the retailers or the agencies that are ultimately responsible for driving new ways of working? With me to discuss all of this are Michelle Duprat from Household, Jeff Kindly Sides from Checkland Kindly Sides, and Carl McKeever from Visual Thinking. Michelle, I'd like to start with you. How do you turn this multi-team, multi-agency way of working from a situation where people are competing to a situation where they're collaborating? I think the trick is understanding really what the key objective is. Often when you go into a new project for retail, a transformational project, um, the objective isn't always clear. And actually, you don't really know what kinds of experts you need, what kind of specialism is required. I think if you're starting out as an agency uh, that's working together with a client, actually helping them to define clearly what they're trying to achieve is fundamental to the long-term goal and view. At that point, openness, transparency, honesty around what should be required from a roadmap perspective um, is absolutely essential. Jeff, what's your experience of working in this sort of way where perhaps you've been brought together by a retailer and they've got you to do one aspect of a campaign, another agency to do another aspect of the campaign. What makes you work collaboratively rather than trying to get an edge on what may be a rival? Well, I think you, you kind of learn over the years that um, what you're doing is trying to make make the client's um, outcome the best it can be. And if you don't collaborate together, then basically there's going to be a problem in the outcome. So um, the, the other thing is you kind, you kind of learn a lot working together because, you know, we work in one area. We might be working with... Um, an advertising agency who brings another kind of viewpoint onto what we're doing. Um, but it's, it's our business model, really. That's what we've done over all the years, work together. Carl, what's your experience with that? In an ideal world, the experience works well and there's good collaboration and synergy from the start. But I think getting to that point, um, sometimes there has to be a little bit of easing along the way. And in my experience, one of the things that can be done is actually for the client themselves to organise some form of joint kickoff meeting where perhaps they bring the various parties together. Everyone talks about the common goals and shared brief and the specialisms that people can bring to the party. And I think what that can do and be very useful for is perhaps breaking down some of the either mistrust or some of the lack of understanding that can exist between different agencies about where they can bring real value and strength to a project, where there might be some potential areas of overlap or potentially where that overlap can be used in a very positive way to create uh, different solutions or collaborative solutions to help address the client need. Have any of you seen any really outstanding examples of internal teams and external agencies being brought together to achieve a really strong campaign or or in-store transformation that you think others could learn from? Michelle? 
I think, well, I think there's different approaches. I think what I've seen, um, which works really well, and I think it sort of builds on what Jeff and uh, Carl are saying, um, is actually a very strong uh, beginning point. So if you take Unilever, for example, they're not a traditional retailer, but they're thinking about retail in, in a disruptive way. So they have the foundry, they have Pitch, which is a place that um, is, is, I guess, what you call a creative center. Um, and they bring together specialists and innovators. And actually, a lot of people who don't know really where each other comes from, they're just working together as a team to get to an idea that then may be mapped out. So it's a different way of thinking about collaboration, where it's really the idea first, it's the whole team first, and then actually that cascades into what might be required to deliver against uh, that idea. Carl, are there any examples that stand out in your mind? I can think of a particularly uh, good experience, which uh, Visual Thinking was actually asked to do on behalf of Sainsbury's. So when Sainsbury's uh, uh, did one of its earlier rebranding exercises, they were working with a, a big flagship design consultancy who actually put together a whole new identity, and it was an identity that was going to be rolled out across the whole business. Now, uh, when you actually look at the different stakeholders then who are involved in communicating that across all the channels, all the different types of media um, um, places that those different brand messages would be shared, there was actually an enormous number of people that needed to understand the specifics of how they would work and use and apply that identity in real life. So we organised a very um, engaging interactive workshop um, for Sainsbury's. And in that particular forum, we had a two-day event where we brought along their brand um, teams who were working for Sainsbury's, but all on entirely different media, above the line, below the line, people that were working in 2D, 3D, people that were working in built environments, and those people that are working in print. And actually, we had a very dynamic workshopping event where we could share the rules, discuss the rules, understand what the differences and tolerances needed to be in terms of how people would execute those processes on behalf of the business. And at the end of the day, I think everybody came away feeling um, enormously satisfied that they hadn't just been told what to do and issued a diktat about what rules had to be applied, but they actually understood them because they'd actually worked through them, looked at where those areas would create difficulties or opportunities. And you know what? People had a lot of fun and people made a lot of friends as a result of that process. You mentioned there about advertising campaigns. It's a really interesting area when it comes to using internal teams and, and agencies working alongside each other. Supposing I, as a retailer, wanted to bring in an agency that has expertise in TV, radio, billboards, perhaps not so hot on the digital side of things, so I bring in another agency to look after that. Should I be aiming to keep them separate and, and I act as the, the go-between so that they develop their creative ideas separately? Or should I bring them together and risk them feeling that maybe the other's trying to encroach and steal their ideas? Michelle? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting one. I think, again, I come back to this idea of actually what is it that uh, the brand is trying to connect uh, with the customer? What is the driving idea? Sometimes it's not always the advertising idea. It's a deeper idea that sits at the heart of the brand. Now, any advertising team or retail designer or, you know, marketing activational uh, team uh, brought in should be all working to the same central tenet. But actually, for different channels and for different types of execution, um, obviously, there's going to be a slightly different strategy towards that. 
And I think having sight of what each other's doing and trying to join up the dots as much as possible um, it is really important. Back in the day when we were part of the Boots rebranding, um, we'd all get together I think it was, you know, every two weeks in what we described as the war room. And that was actually led by um, the ad agency at the time, who, who was mother. Um, and there were so many different agencies. So that steering group yeah. was led by one of the agencies it rather was. than someone from Boots? Yeah, it was, actually. And in this instance, um, it was really, they. Uh, I, I guess they were, uh, they led from a, almost from a sort of a consolidation dating perspective they did not necessarily manage each work stream but it was really their way of kind of owning um, you know big parts of that relationship so it's not to say that any agency you know any agency could do that or be part of that and want to drive it and it depends also how much I guess uh, you know leverage the the client gives to that agency and how much bandwidth they give them to be able to, to drive things forward. Carl, I want to get your thoughts on that. I just wonder if if you were brought in as an agency and the client said to you, we're giving one of the other agencies the lead on this, how does that affect the balance of power and what you're willing to then contribute to the, to the, to the overall aim? Well, first and foremost, I think any agency should be there to really represent what their clients are trying to achieve and not selfishly look to how that can benefit themselves. That said, I think agencies also have to understand um, who's the boss uh, and clearly when it's your time to speak or not. So I think um, in certainly bigger projects, it's very important to understand what's the leadership structure there and almost who takes the call. So I think that people need to have clarity around who's there to do what. Um, people need to understand what are those lines of communication, where the red lines are that you don't cross. But I think also this is where people's, um, I suppose, influencing skills, their ability to communicate uh, effectively, the relationships that they form both with the agencies and the client can enable you know, those doors to swing open wider should, should they need to. So I think certainly people should be very respectful of each other's uh, starting position, uh, absolutely understand what the client is trying to achieve. And I think within that, I think working... Um, effectively together in many ways is almost like families you know sometimes you bump along very smoothly sometimes you have a bit uh, more feisty and rougher times the great thing about families is they're all united for a common purpose and that's really what every agent should, should be working with their clients for the good of the brand jeff would you ever feel that by collaborating too closely you might be giving your rivals a bit of the knowledge that you've spent years building up and perhaps when it comes to another commission, they might steal a march on you? Or does that not enter your thinking when you're working alongside other agencies? I don't think it really enters the thinking. I suppose it does. Honestly? If you're being honest, of <laughs> course it does. Um, I think, you know, I've always taken the, the, the view that you really, to get anything out of these things, you have to, you have to invest a lot of time beyond the project. As the agency that, or? Yeah, as the agency. And that's kind of been our business model in a way. So if for a client to be working with collaborators, the first thing that the people, the group of people need to have is a common understanding of not only the brand itself, but the way the people work and obviously the thing, the obvious things that surround it. And I think if you don't kind of invest that time in it to be the expert on what they do, 
then I don't think you're really in a strong position to collaborate with the people because, you know, traditionally advertising agencies would would own that kind of knowledge piece. I think design design companies now, um, it's just a matter of fact. You do you do have the strategy, you do have the background, you do have all that kind of customer insight thing because that's what we do and that's what makes you st- strong by it. Um, so we've we've had a kind of a a business model where we work with clients for a long time, not just for a project. Could be twenty years, could be twenty five years in some <laughs> some cases, and you develop that. And so when you're working with different people that are coming in and 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 kind of contributing, you kind of take it in the spirit of why they're there. Because you know, if you if you put up barriers, you become uh, a problem to the relationship. I'm going to throw a little bit of a grenade of an idea into the mix. As a retailer, as a client, what if I consider that actually this is all far too complicated? I'm going to cherry pick experts, bring them in, poach them, and create my own in-house team that will deliver everything. And they'll be working together for me and not competing. Is that a solution? Is that an answer? Well, if I may throw a grenade back then, I think, we would off, I think we would probably, all three of us sitting around the table, call that the pitch process, where clients very often ask you to provide a great deal of your ideas, often for free, <laughs> and then potentially take those ideas and work with them internally. I think the caveat to that would be that people can often get a long way themselves, but then there does come a point where they recognise that actually they do fundamentally need to look outside, not necessarily to get expertise that they don't have, but to bring people together in an impartial way that can actually create the kind of the synergy and motivation for the project. Yeah, I think, you know, we've just going on from that, I think we've we've always tried to place ourselves in-house in 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 that kind of sense. And that's what when I, when I kind of talk about investment, I always think, well, if we get ourselves in a position where we know as much as the people in-house, then we're more likely to be able to contribute on the things where we're not necessarily taking the work somewhere else we're actually working with them um but yeah inevitably i think particularly at the moment i don't know what everybody feels that around the table but i think the in-house cycle is definitely in that kind of you know orbit (laughs) of things where um clients are kind of taking those things in house and 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 i think it it naturally burns itself out because we're we're always working around the world with different people looking at different things getting different perspectives on what our prospective clients or our current clients should be doing and i think if if you're working on one subject all the time inevitably you become blown out with it i think Michelle yeah absolutely i mean 100% agree um, I think that our focus, uh, certainly working with our clients, is to to make sure that we bring that fresh thinking and fresh ideas that we're, we're con- we constantly have access to. Um, and, you know, the point that Jeff makes about uh, insight and being able to kind of know what to do with that insight on not just a sort of one-off basis, but on a continual basis makes you a valuable partner. And I think that's very much the role that we play um, with our clients. And and I think one of the things that we've seen, certainly with this cycle of building in-house teams, um, that, you know, again, that's a collaborative element, isn't it? It's how how do we now collaborate with in-house teams? 
Um, and I think what we're seeing uh, is an opportunity to, to take a step back when we go back in to work with a, a brand that maybe we haven't worked with for a couple of years. And they're saying, okay, we, we, we know you know us, we've moved on. Um, we, we, we value your thoughts around us. We know that you'll have seen new things. How can you come back in and start to think about a maybe a, a vision, visioneering piece, you know, how we might move forward um, and so on. So it's about finding a way to collaborate and reinvigorate, regenerate, re-energize and create projects that we didn't necessarily know um, were wanted by that mm. team. I think mm. that's super important yeah, from a exactly. consultancy perspective. Yeah, and, and we, we find ourselves, particularly me personally, in um, the kind of situation where we may do a um, large piece of, of, of pioneering work, then we would go through a process where that's being Im implemented and um, we would be retained, um, well, almost on the exec, um, I, I act in that kind of capacity, um, to, to advise the company during that period and also to bring on uh, internal teams to be able to, to do that. And the collaboration with their kind of vendors and their, the people around them that are actually implementing this becomes a... a um, a central part of a collaboration to make sure that things happen and I think by that you're naturally in touch with the company and the progress of the things and you can then start to influence actually where you start to take take the ball up again and, and start to inject new thinking into it. And it's interesting Jeff you mentioned that you know some of the relationships that you guys uh, have are quite enduring and you've worked mm. with some clients for, for a long time you know and I think that in itself is you know also applies to to us too and it can be an inherent challenge there because as the incumbent agency, you could find yourself sometimes in the position where you might know more about a particular topic than some of the people who are actually giving you the briefs. Mm. Perhaps they've joined the company more recently or might, they might have changed into a different role. Uh, actually, only yesterday I found myself talking to some people that had joined a business, a business which we've been actively working with for quite some time. And were completely fundamentally unaware of some of the projects which already existed and things which were already in play. But yet the brief was effectively to start these things from scratch. So I think in that particular instance, we were able to sort of say, look, whoa, hold your horses here. Before we actually go down that road, actually, this is the sorts of things which already exist and, you know, perhaps put some more life back into them. So I think for me, I think that whole thing of um, being around for a long time can be a really good thing. But I think naturally there, like all of us, we're going to become more resistant, I guess, to change and in bringing new people in and, and seeing that move on. So I think for me, it's always about the client. It's the client's role ultimately to give that guardianship, that stewardship, and ultimately bringing agencies together in a way which actually is right for the brief and fits mm. the bill. I, I think I think one of the, um, the, the, the tricks in the whole thing of, of um, long-term relationships is, is to never assume or never say to people new people coming into a company oh yes we tried this before because it and, and it and it didn't quite work because the, the thing is things are right in a period of time or they're wrong in a period of time and they become they become relevant again so you know we we all have to even though we've got vast experience of that brand have to collaborate in a way that we're seeing some of it for the first time or else you come unstuck with um or you become into a mindset of 
you know, we're not, we're not going to try that. And there becomes a resistance. And I think collaboration's over at that point. I think, you know, just as importantly, um, agencies themselves also need to be internally collaborative as well, because there will be a number of different people within their own teams who need to work together and understand the client brief in just as much detail. And I've certainly witnessed it where, uh, that the collaboration between agencies may be good, but actually some of the internal dialogue and the communication between the teams working on those projects is not as slick or as as, as clear as it needs to be. Again, depending on uh, who's set up to do what, the responsibility to provide the glue there can live with an agency, but actually, ideally, I always think it should be the client that has that. Ultimately, they're the ones that are all paying everybody's bills, and I think they're the ones that should be the... the, the uh, uh, leader of the orchestra, to put it in, in in another way. I think, in my experience, the most important uh, in collaboration is the collaboration with uh, the, the people that are going to realise the vision of what goes on, um, the people that, um, the suppliers that will either make or break that from us having a vision of what goes on and how we collaborate with them. Quite a lot of retailers we work with, we work with their in-house teams, aren't we? You're the same, Michelle, but, you know, you're working, with, you're working with the property people, you're working with people that build stores. And at that point, the collaboration is kind of how far you go with it to, to how far the end result becomes good or not so good. Because at that point, I think um, you will naturally come up against attention or a resistance to certain things. I think out of every kind of collaboration that we've ever uh, done singular with a client or together with other people, the implementation of it and that the willingness to collaborate beyond the, the part that you play at the beginning is a really important one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think yeah, because it's, again, that point around all having the same desired outcome and just, you know, getting yeah. this thing to be the best it can be. Um, you know, collaboration is, is is brilliant when everyone kind of walks away and they go, should we do that again? You know, yeah. what could we do together? Maybe we could go off and, you know, approach, you know, another business yeah. and, and use all of our collective skills because we've done this before. Oh, and I think that's an this, interesting one. You know, I, I think, Michelle, some of this also comes from, uh, and again, I'm kind of keen to keep chucking this back to the client side, really, aren't I? But I, I do think there's a lot um, to be said there because, you know, a, a truly enlightened client, I think, understands the benefit of collaboration right from the start. And I think that they recognise that actually whilst there might have to be some time invested there and also some money, actually, as part of the, the you know, the actual project um, fees, need to be involved in actually bringing people together and, and sharing and forming those relationships. But collaboration is actually part of a cycle and it shouldn't just be that people are brought in at the, at the inception of a project. You know, people should also come back together at the end to celebrate what's been achieved. And from that celebration, new ideas are formed, those relationships become deepened. And, and very often, second tiers or, or, or another wave of a project can actually, you know, the spark of genius can actually happen in those events. So for me, I think collaboration shouldn't be almost set up as a process stage. You know, collaboration has to be seen as a way of working it's a way of building relationships, working together, overcoming problems and achieving solutions to those, but done in a way which actually is involving talking to people, sharing ideas and actually coming up with really great solutions. Do you see that from time to time there is too much of a focus on people's specialisms and an obsession about 
this is our area of expertise, rather than putting the, the shopper at the heart of, of the project. So I think that's a really interesting question and one where there's clearly a lot of development. So when you look at the sort of crowd um, sourcing and crowdfunding initiatives that are going on by many brands to effectively put the shopper at the heart of the decision making, that's really important. Um, a considerable number of Lego products have actually been specifically asked for and created by the people that were building those products at home. They found their way into the production line rather than actually it being top down, it's being driven bottom up. And I think it's quite interesting that we can see and expect to see much more of this as we go on. Through social media, people are having more of a, a voice uh, in the boardroom. That voice, I think, can increasingly be used as part of the design process, whether that's actually a part of forming the brief, whether that's actually critiquing the solutions on the way, or actually commenting on those solutions which have been delivered at the end. So I think in some ways, involving the consumer more directly and necessarily suppliers and providers and everyone who's involved in that brand cycle, even at, even at the briefing stage, can actually be vital in actually informing a much better end result. Michelle, do you find that it's always customer focus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly uh, sits at the, the heart of our business, and it always it always has done. Um, I think it's a really interesting point about the filtering, or you know, what we receive from clients, and you know how we supplement that with our own knowledge and experience. Um, and I, you know, and I would say the filtering thing, uh, it's it's a, it's an interesting one because it, I don't think it's often purposeful. It just gets a bit sort of diluted and the richness of the customer voice, you know, kind of gets eliminated in a way because there's already assumptions made. We've actually, uh, in the last year, launched uh, a, a mobile diary app called Emotivai. And it's this is, I guess, a, a collaboration with the customer. So we get samples of, you know, target customer groups together and they download this app onto their phone and we set up these assignments. And basically what they're doing is in their own words, in real time, telling us stories about how they're feeling, what they're seeing, what they're thinking, what they would do. Now, that's a tool just to say, okay, let's take away what we know. Um, and in many ways, it's about sort of fixing some of the things that are happening today. It's not necessarily a future visioneering piece, but it is important if you're looking at actually how to solve problems, how to enhance customer journeys, how to create, a, you know, the next iteration of a store format. Um, and you can't deny the truth of the customer. So I guess collaborating in a way with the customer that is as uncontrolled as we possibly can be and bringing that into the mix is really exciting. Are there any cautionary tales that you can share of the costs of when it goes wrong and what other people can learn from that to avoid making those same mistakes themselves? Carl? Hmm. Uh, I think one of the, the risks clearly in all of this that quite a lot of briefs these days are uh, delivered by people who may not necessarily themselves end up in those roles for very long. So I think that a brief can be in some ways uh, subject to change, let's just say. Everyone around the table is laughing. <laughs> Share the joke with me. Come on, I'm not in on this joke. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to say, look, I mean... Are you, are you putting it very diplomatic? Yeah, yeah, I Carl? guess I am. So look, I've been around... Speak freely. I've been around for some, from some years. And I think uh, one of the things we, we really have noticed as, as a major change is, I guess the average length of service for a marketing director when I first started was upwards of sort of five to eight years. I think you're lucky if you get 24 months out of people now before they move on. 
whether that's their choice or the brand that they're working for. But of course, often big projects can last much longer than that. And what starts off with what you think is a clear brief and understanding then can be subject to change. So I think, uh, again, part of that whole collaborative process really is recognising that flexibility is key. Um, Flexibility of all of the agencies, the individual players themselves, because things can change. Sitting here, as the three of you do with, uh, I won't even hazard a guess, how many years of experience between you, you all have? Lots of. Lots of. (laughs) Let's let's say lots of experience. Uh, What has changed in the way you approach collaborative working now compared to perhaps when you started out on your careers? I just think um, when, when I started my, I started our business in 1979, so we're, we're right at the kind of dawn of branded retail. So you th- The you, d- you dawn ca- of computers. Come, dawn of everything. You kind, you kind of thought that, that um, it was a much simpler kind of set of... I think um, probably 20 years ago, um, you weren't let out much from your office. <laughs> you know, when you were starting out, you were sort of quite desk bound and you don't, you don't, you know, you don't get that opportunity. I think now um, access is greater to everyone and everything. And by nature of that, by virtue of that, collaboration is a very natural thing. And I also believe that specialism is coming up from a much younger age. You know, there's a lots of um, digital and very advanced skills in areas that, people with more experience, you know, in the broadest sense. Collaboration is is, yeah. is 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 more fun these days. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. can collaborate in three or four different meetings in the same day with people in different continents at different time zones and around yeah. the world. I was gonna say geography is yeah, a is a really huge. important part of this and certainly working internationally. Um what we found with our more internationally based clients is that they're much more pioneering in collaboration, the ease of collaboration and the way we have these kind of multi-country uh, conversations with different people in yeah, different yeah. places. Because we haven't even talked about culture. Yeah, and that's no, huge. It's fantastic. I think that's a really, yeah. really good point. I mean, we're, we're building a, a, an amazing retail uh, thing in Las Vegas at the moment. So you use all your collaborative skills to talk to the structural engineer on the ground. So you could go over there and say, we want to chop the, the whole quarter of this building out on the corner. And if you're going, going with a kind of a, an arrogance of, uh, you know, that's what you're going to do, well, you might find out that's what they're not going to do for you. But if you go in and say, I know this is kind of going to stretch your abilities and your patience or whatever, but if you could kind of make this work, this is what we're trying to do and this is how we think it should uh, work. And of course, we're getting the corner taken out, and we're really, you know, we're really happy. It took two of our guys to nip over for a day to talk to the guy, but that's that's collaboration on behalf of the client, which, you know, we all benefit from. And I'm not necessarily the, the oldest around the table, um, but I think that is one, of the, it is one of the things that's nice about getting old is that you use your knowledge and experience and wisdom to foster greater powers of collaboration. And, and I hope that that's what we're you know, all on that same journey of. My thanks to the contributors, Carl McKeever from Visual Thinking, Jeff Kindlysides from Checkland Kindlysides and Michelle Duprat from Household. I'm Ben Bland. This is a Retail Exchange podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange.
This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking, in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.